Like the microphone. Like the microphone. Yeah. It's the only thing I care about on that mission is the microphone. <laughs> From progress on the SLS fuel tank to continued science results from Curiosity and the launch and arrival of the ExoMars mission, 2016 was a pretty exciting year for the exploration of Mars. Many partners from around the world, from space agencies to private companies, continued to drive progress towards a goal of putting people on the red planet. Just how important was 2016? And what do we have to look forward to this year? All this and more on today's episode of the We Martians podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the We Martians podcast. I'm your host, Jake Robbins. And welcome to 2017. It's been six weeks since the last episode, and I have to admit, it was a little bit too long. It's good to be back and talking about Mars again. I hope everyone had a great holiday and a happy new year. I've got some housekeeping to get through before our interview today, so let me get right to it. First, thanks to everyone who filled out the listener survey back in December. I got a great response rate and some valuable data that I intend to use this year in order to make the content better. I learned a lot about which episodes you found valuable and entertaining, and which ones you did not, and some of it surprised me. Richard Feynman once said of science, The first principle is that you must not fool yourself, and you are the easiest person to fool. I feel like I've lived that quote through these responses, so I'm very, very glad that I did it. If you follow me on Twitter, the second bit won't be news to you, but I have a pretty exciting announcement that I'd like to tell you about nonetheless. In late March, the Lunar and Planetary Science Conference is taking place in the Woodlands, just outside of Houston. LPSC is the preeminent planetary science meeting in North America and will be chock full of Mars scientists hawking their newest discoveries. You might remember last year when I spoke with Michael Aya from Planet 4. That interview was fresh off his visit to LPSC 2016. This year, instead of covering it remotely, I've decided to make the trip down and provide live coverage. I'll be spending the whole week there and should be able to produce a few episodes with content that I can generate from the event, so you can look forward to that in March and in April. I don't have all the details yet, so stay tuned, but I did want to share it with you, the listeners, now. The topic of LPSC leads me into the final housekeeping bit I have before we get started, and that's the topic of cash money. Now, if you listen to many other podcasts, you probably know what's coming here, but let me give you some context first. You see, when I started We Martians, I committed to myself to doing an entire year's worth of episodes without seeking donations or any other monetary support from listeners. It was a promise to myself to make sure that I was in love with it, and I wanted to continue before I embarked on any kind of endeavor to ask for people's money. One year later, I can assuredly say this is one of the best things I've ever done with my life, and I'm immensely proud of the work I've put out. I've learned so much by interacting with all of these great guests and have no intention of stopping now. But that means that what was an expensive hobby is only going to grow from here. Now, I managed to secure my trip to Houston in a pretty remarkably cheap way, I won't go into the details, but it does involve a cunning use of connections and frequent flyer miles, but it will still incur costs to me personally. This is in addition to all my regular expenses every year between hosting the website, the episodes, and paying for email and domain prices. Plus, if I ever want a new mic or a recording device, it's on me. 
I labored over the idea of sponsors, but after speaking with others and thinking about the other podcasts I listen to, I settled on the idea that donations from listeners is truly the most honest way to generate money for me at this point. So with that in mind, I would like to officially announce the We Martians Patreon campaign. So if you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a web service that allows you to subscribe to content that you find particularly valuable. We Martians will and always will remain free, but if you find this content valuable, if it adds entertainment to your day, or if you just like learning something new, consider signing up to be a We Martians patron. The service can be as little as $1 a month, and the site takes care of all the billing, knocking off the money from your credit card automatically. I chose Patreon because it's simple, it's well-known, and a lot easier to come up with a small amount of funds on a regular basis than trying to drive a one-time donation campaign and asking you for $30, $50, or $100 today. Now, to make it worth your while, there are three levels you can donate at, and each one comes with a whole set of perks. You can donate $1 per month and become an Orbiter-level patron. This gives you access to a Patreon-only feed on the site, and I'll post occasional bonus content for you there. Now, if you feel like $3 a month is worth it to you, you'll be a Lander-level patron and also gain access to join a quarterly chat session. I'll use these sessions to talk about past and future episodes, ask your feedback, or if you're up for it, just chit-chat over goings-on at the time. Who knows, maybe I could even convince a guest to join me there. Lastly, for $5 a month, you'll be a Rover-level patron. At this level, you'll get advanced notice of interviews and have the opportunity to submit questions that I'll potentially read on the air. It's a way for you not only to listen to the podcast, but also contribute to it. I'm really excited about this level because I've been looking for new ways to make We Martians more interactive. You can see all the details again at patreon.com slash we Martians. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash we Martians. There's an intro video there that I've drawn up to give you the details. You should check it out, if only to see part of my space t-shirt collection or laugh at embarrassing pictures of me when I was a kid. And I've also got some goals on the page which let you know exactly what I'm seeking the money for because I do want to be transparent with this. One final note though. If you really love the show, I hope you'll sign up to become a patron. But if you don't want to or you're short on cash, no worries. I'll always appreciate anyone who gives their time to listen and I look forward to another year of great interviews. Now, let's get on with that. Our very first episode in January of last year tried to sum up the year of 2015 and paint the picture that our journey to Mars, the collective efforts of all the scientists, engineers, and everyone else was on the rise. Producing the episode and talking about everything from NASA to SpaceX to ESA and the Martian really amped me up and made me feel really excited about space. Now that we're in 2017, I figured it might be a great time to step back, look at 2016, and see what kind of progress we made. You might call it the state of Mars. So last year I was all on my own. I'll admit it was a little daunting to tackle everything like this solo. So this year I decided to bring in help. I've got two guests on the show today to help go over the many things that happened last year. And I look forward to 2017 and get excited about what's to come. So please welcome Brendan Byrne and Emily Speck to the show. Brendan, Emily, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So before we get started, we might have some listeners that maybe aren't familiar with uh, your work. So maybe one by one, we can just do some quick introductions. Maybe tell us a little bit about what you do for your job and then kind of for fun, how did you get into space? So Brendan, let's start with you. Okay. Um, so I'm a space reporter here at uh, NPR member station WMFE in Orlando. Um, and because of our proximity to Florida Space Coast, um, a few years ago, we, we took the, the effort to really cover space and, and own space here. Um, I happen to like space and covering space, and uh, I went to space camp as a kid, so that was my only qualification <laughs> to cover this uh, this beat. Um, but ever since then, our, our listeners love it, and 
we kind of took over the space beat around the same time. Uh, commercial uh, commercial flights were kind of amping up on Florida Space Coast. Um, so it was kind of coincided with that and a really good time to, to be getting into it. Um, and, we, and we realized our, our listeners really liked it, which prompted us to start a podcast here um, that we uh, that we produce once a week. And uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I, I get to cover a lot of space. It's really fun. And uh, it's really, really a great job. Well, and I, I want to say I really do like your podcast a lot. It's got a really kind of I really appreciate the broad range of uh, topics. So you get to kind of bounce all over the place and, and see some pretty cool stuff. So so great work with that. And then uh, Emily, how about you? Yeah. Um, so currently I am with WKMG. It's a CBS affiliate here in Orlando um, where, you know, I cover all things breaking news and uh, cover some launches, space, working on building up their space coverage as well. My main passion is planetary science missions, which means all those really cool robots. Um, before that, I was at the Orlando Sentinel, where I relaunched our space blog, Go for Launch. And again, there, my focus was planetary science. So um, I also grew up uh, on the Space Coast, watching launches from my backyard, and uh, just kind of love it. I mean, how could you not? So here we are. <laughs> and, and and you've also been on, on Brendan's show, and I, and I I want to say thank you because with uh, the focus that I kind of have to put into Mars, sometimes I miss out on the other planetary missions. So, you know, I'm thinking of Juno. I really appreciated uh, your coverage because it kind of caught me up to speed. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's dive in, um, you know, and I think there's no better place to start than, like you say, robotic exploration. And, uh, you know, we'll go across the pond to a mission that my listeners are pretty familiar with, and that's the uh, ESA's uh, ExoMars 2016 mission. I kind of like this mission in you know, as far as a, a 2016 recap goes, because it really bookended the year. You kind of had the launch at the beginning, which was really, really exciting. It was kind of tense on the Russian rocket. And then you had a little bit of a tumultuous arrival at the Red Planet. So maybe I'll just throw this question out there. What's What excites you most about this uh, this mission? We've got the Trace Gas Orbiter in orbit now, and it's uh, just on its way to starting its science mission. Yeah, um, so it's a really, it's exciting for me, I think, because it's the first big Russian, uh, European uh, Mars mission. So, you know, it's a three-part mission, and it basically asks, was there life on Mars? And, uh, you know, you were talking about the Trace Gas Orbiter, which successfully is going to start its science later this year. So it's testing. Um, You know, we're already seeing the first images, which to me is a really exciting part about uh, robotic science is all the cool images you get to see of faraway places. Um, you know, and uh, it's going to be checking for trace gases like methane gases and indicating those biological processes on Mars. So we're going to learn more about the planet. And uh, that's, that's always exciting. So yeah, I love what you say about the images too, because the the camera on this one is I I'm so excited about. It. I mean, I I did a whole episode on it, so <laughs> I, we don't have to go too much into the details. But the Cassis imager, just in stereo, uh, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter. There's been some images flying around uh, by an, uh, a couple a couple artists actually that are starting to make some 3D renders of these of these uh, Martian landscapes, and it just makes me think of the cool stuff we're going to get from Cassis because they're putting a lot of work into modeling this using MRO data. So they're kind of extrapolating it. It probably is really time consuming. And then Cassis is just going to start dumping this stuff on us left and right. So I'm, I'm super excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. If I can jump in real quick, I think that, you know, science is awesome and, and the stuff that comes out of, you know, all these, these missions are fantastic, but what really gets the public interest involved in this is the pictures. So, you know, you really have to have 
those really cool photos to, you know, get the layman involved in, in things and, and that wow factor, which kind of sucks because the science is, is really awesome, but the pictures is, is what really sells the mission. Yeah, engagement for sure. Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's part of, uh, I guess, part of our job, right, is to try and get uh, everyone involved with every every bit of the, the mission, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you mentioned, uh, Emily, it's in three parts, this mission. And, um, you know, the, the later part is the XMR's rover, which is coming sometime. 2020 is the expected launch date for that. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of talk has, has come up with, uh, you know, the Schiaparelli crash, which was the tumultuous part of the arrival. Um, a lot of people are, are, are asking the question is, if they can't land this little demonstrator, how are they going to land a rover? So, um, you know, that's sort of the debate happening right now. The Ministerial Council did approve the funding, but what do you think? Like, are, should we be worried about this rover? Like, are, are we safe to go? Are they going to get everything good to go? Um, I can't. I feel uncomfortable saying that it's not going to succeed. But, you know, with the crashing of the lander, it's not good because its primary mission was testing landing. You know, it only had a mission of a couple days. And so the fact that you know, Europe and Russia have not yet landed something on Mars like this. It's it was kind of a it was kind of a big deal. But um, as far as I know, everything's approved for July 2020 launch. So they're going to keep going ahead. And um, they did they did learn some things from that crash landing. So that's good. They'll learn from that. And I know that they did study, you know, the curiosity landing and things like that. So they're going to learn from that. But um, it was really testing the parachute and the heat shield and the reverse propulsion system. So hopefully the data they got back from that was good enough to help them with with their rover. So yeah, and that's sort of the the spin that um, the the head of ESA, Jan Werner, was was talking about, right? Because they got eighty percent of the telemetry, and and the, the lander was only twenty percent of the mission, which means that they were ninety six percent successful. That's that's his spin line, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm, um, you know, I kind of agree with it. It's 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 good data, but um, hopefully they can stick it for the rover. It'll be a big deal. So. Well, I'll choose to be optimistic. So, me too. Okay, so let's let's yeah, so let's come back o- over to this uh, this neck of the woods and, and get to NASA. So, um, I kind of want to start with Mars twenty twenty, which is the the you know probably the most exciting upcoming mission that NASA has in the works for Mars. So, big year for it. It passed its uh, key decision point C, which is its final approval. It means it can go from formulation to uh, you know construction. So um, how important is that? And, and what can we look forward to this year, uh, you know, 2017 for the progress on the Mars 2020 rover? Right. Um, well, it's a pretty big deal because it means they're now going to start actually assembling the rover. Um, you know, they've got the model based off Curiosity, but right now the seven science instruments, they're all in testing. So they're going to continue to develop those and eventually get them on the rover. So that's great. And I know based off talking to one of the principal investigators for Sherlock, an instrument on um, the rover, which is not named yet, we've still got Mars 2020. So a name, that's something else that we can look forward to. (laughs) Um, But they're also looking at a landing site. So, you know, we've got Mars Curiosity at the Yale Crater. Um, So I'm really interested to see where they decide to put this sucker down. So Mars is a pretty big planet and we have learned a lot about it. We know more about Mars than pretty much any other planet besides Earth and the solar system. So where they land is pretty important. Um, but yeah, the testing of the instruments, I know that Sherlock, um, 
a drill with a really cool light scanner that's going through some testing. They have a critical design review coming up, I think, uh, like on the 18th, January 18th. So that's that's kind of what we're looking forward to. More testing and a name. <laughs> yeah. And actually, you mentioned the landing sites. I think uh, mm-hmm. I just read this. Um, the next workshop is coming up right away. I think it's February 8th. Yeah. And they're going to kind of narrow down. They've got eight candidates right now, and they're trying to get that down to three or four. So uh, we should see some news on that pretty quickly here. Yeah. Um, one of the questions I want to ask for sure, and because this, my secret favorite part of this mission is the Mars copter, and it hasn't quite been confirmed to exist yet. It's in the CAD drawings, and I've seen some demonstration things, but this is basically a Mars drone. It's mm-hmm. JPL's figured out this way to, to make this super light drone with this, these massive blades and actually generate lift. Have you heard anything on that? I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, chomping at the bit to hear about you're, this one. <laughs> you're ahead of me on that because I have also heard rumors of this, but I do not know anything more than that. So I'm sorry to disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, we'll yeah. keep, keep our ear to the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's lots of exciting things about that mission, but um, I, yeah. <laughs> like the microphone. Like the microphone. Yeah. It's the only thing I care about on that mission is the microphone. <laughs> well, and, you know, we've got Moxie. There's going to be, you know, uh, an instrument that produces oxygen. So that's kind of important if we want to ever, you know, move there or anything like that. But not for radio storytelling, yeah. Emily. You don't need to breathe to speak, right? <laughs> no. So basically, when this thing finally lands, Brendan, we're just going to have a whole bunch of episodes playing mo- or playing uh, the microphone yeah. data over and over again, right? If it- I could if I could run it 24-7 on our terrestrial FM signal, I would. It's going to be a whole new podcast of just rover audio where we interpret the things that we hear just how, nonstop. How public radio is that, though? Like oh, the sounds of Mars. That's very public radio. <laughs> and now for the crunching of the tires. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that would be a big hit. Yeah, I think so, too. Oh, I mean, it's probably going to be it, I always think about a lot of the um, the opening credits or, you know, the theme songs that some of these podcasts plays. And there's always like a few lines that get into like a whole bunch of them right it's the the neil armstrong line one small step and then or the, right. the jfk speech or the little apollo beep you know communicator sound it's in like a ton of these things this uh this mars audio has got to start making its way into that uh, that group i think oh yeah oh I yeah hope, i hope so <laughs> so um uh what about some of the ongoing missions i mean it's it's nice to look ahead to mars 2020 but uh there are you know seven eight other missions that are that are active at mars today um maybe go to curiosity which is mars 2020 sort of ancestor a pretty big year for that the rover right yeah it is a pretty big year um curiosity continues to be very popular with public as far as robots go um you know it's discovering it's discovering new things all the time um now it's able to you know select some of its uh, scanning sites so that's pretty cool um the fact that it has an onboard lab and we can learn so much about the planet from from that that's it's cool and just the fact that it's discovering new things and the places that it goes all the time you know being in Gale crater it's discovered different uh textures and rocky areas and that are very surprising like things that you know look very similar to earth but then not really i mean what was it a little while ago it found a meteorite which was pretty cool and you know i mean that would be pretty neat on earth to just walk around and stumble upon that but curiosity happened to roll upon that and uh yeah it it just it continues to do really well i think it's uh, going into its fourth year so it's successful yeah 
Yeah, I, I, I kind of noticed that it's really starting to ramp up because, you know, it had to land out in the crater, which was sort of the flat, safe area. And then it's but its prime target is Mount Sharp. Right. So it's been sort of slowly yeah. making its way there. And it's it's there now. and It's starting to climb mm-hmm. the slopes. And the whole reason they sent it was it was all these layers of of geology up the slope. So basically every, you know, you know, every few dozen right. meters that this thing rose, it's got a new new era in time. So I think the the science results are really starting to pour in. I mean, I think about the manganese discovery earlier this year, um, even just at at the American Geophysical Union um, uh, fall meeting, they had the uh, the boron discovery, which is a, a first. So some really cool stuff coming out of there. I really look forward to this uh, this next year. Yeah, me too. And at the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex, they've got a new exhibit now. They actually use images from the Curiosity rover, and you put on a Microsoft HoloLens, and you can actually walk through the room at these different sites that it's been exploring. And the cool thing about that is is that is how kind of the JPL is is connecting all these different planetary scientists that are remote uh, together. Um, they actually pop on the HoloLens and walk around the surface, and that's how they pick their new spots that they're going to or places where science want to want to go to. And, and, I, and I come back to this because I brought up the uh, kind of getting public support for Mars. Uh, it's a really, really neat experience, and it, it really blew me away uh, to be able to walk on the surface and hang out with, with curiosity uh, in this really entertaining but really, you know, science-filled experience um, that we had. And it's pretty neat to know that that technology is being used for kind of exploration and and picking these new sites yeah i'm really excited about that display i I would love to see it it moves around i think so maybe one day it'll come to come to seattle or something which is pretty close to me and i I got to do it with with uh with buzz aldrin so that's always (laughs) cool to see buzz aldrin strap on a headset and walk around mars so that was that was neat (laughs) i bet it was yeah well, I mean, speaking of Buzz, maybe we should we should move into human space flight. So um, let's, let's stay with NASA. So you know, they continued to promote their journey to Mars this year, um, which is a, a pretty broad uh, scope type project. So maybe we'll start, you know, they kind of describe it in phases. And, and the first one is the Earth Reliant phase. So this is, um, you know, it's research on the ISS. It's, um, it's analogs here on Earth. So what are some of your favorite 2016 moments as far as uh, that part goes? I think just, you know, continuing to collect data from um, the year in space. Uh, I think that's going to be the most important thing that we, we as a, you know, scientific community have to figure out is we've got the technology to get to Mars. We've got the, you know, the hardware's there, the software's there. It's easy to do. The, the thing that that's going to be the most difficult part is getting us as humans there. So, you know, trying to figure out how we work in space. And, you know, the stories coming back from um, from the year in space doesn't sound very good. You know, there was some, some significant uh, physiological uh, deterioration of those astronauts from being up there for a year. And, I mean, that's just a year inside low Earth orbit. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how we're able to tackle some of these issues like – uh, bone loss or like radiation or uh, it, it's really difficult to we're not supposed to be in space <laughs> so trying to figure out how to how to how to overcome that hurdle is going to be the biggest thing so kind of seeing the stuff that's coming out of the the year in space is has been very interesting to follow and uh, talking to astrophysiologists it, it's um, th- there's a, there's still quite a few challenges to figure out uh, how to live and work in space 
Yeah, that's something that I, I kind of want to explore further this year. Um, you know, I'm thinking about uh, Scott Kelly, and and one of the things he said is that you know, it's when he was up there, he said it's 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 fine, I, I can I can get by, but I really want to go outside. He kept saying, right, which is a, a huge psychological thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> what worried me is that he he got back, he he came home, and then. Uh, everyone was like, hey, would you go back? And he's like, oh, yeah, I would go back. Sure, sure, sure. And then he retired. He's just like, I'm done. I can't do any more of this. <laughs> so um, that can be maybe a little worrying. But, uh, you know, yeah, you're right, though. Hopefully they, they start to, to to learn something from it because I can't, must be a, like an immense glut of data that came through from that. I can't imagine the the gigabytes, maybe even terabytes of, of numbers they have to pour through to kind of figure that out. Oh, yeah. The astronauts, I mean, they're down to the minute like scheduled for what they're doing. So all of that data is going to be analyzed and, you know, they're still pouring through it. But I think it's a good point just to say, I don't really think we're there yet, you know, when it comes to humans and Mars, like we have a good ways to go with technology. So it's going to be really interesting from what they do learn about Scott Kelly and, um, you know, and the other things happening on the space station. You know, you've got veggie, they're growing vegetables, mm. they grew a flower, a couple of flowers, I think, last year, that was Scott Kelly. So that's kind of neat. That's going to be really important. But uh, yeah, we have to be able to survive, let alone make our own food and uh, before we can make it to Mars. And yeah. there really hasn't been too much of that data being released. I haven't seen much mm-hmm. in the news cycle about no. it or mm-hmm. anything like that. So it's either they've got a, a lot of it to go through or it's not yeah. <laughs> very good. So they're not releasing it. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Well, hopefully it's the former. Um, yes. what, mm-hmm. what does give me hope, though, is that there is a ton of work going on into analogs. And um, this is something that I kind of learned after I started the podcast, that the, the sheer amount of analogs that, that people are, are putting themselves into i mean between there's nasa's got hera and they've got high seas they've got nemo um and then you've got uh, other groups like the mars society and then isa they do all their own like there must have been a dozen different analogs that happened just last year so at least we're getting a lot of uh, that kind of research done so you know it gives me hope that we're we're going to solve some of these problems yeah and and you brought up a good point i mean just the, the psychological aspect of uh isolation and, and being with people you know for the 18 month journey that it might take to get to Mars. And and then, you know, if you're going to be there forever with them, you know, just, just even the work that goes into, you know, picking the right people, the right minds to go on the international space station for just a few number of months. Um, is pretty interesting. I I remember having someone on the podcast, she was a sociologist and, um, she was studying space culture. And apparently when you're up on the international space station, you kind of develop your own culture with your, uh, your your coworkers and, and your crewmates up there, and I thought that was really interesting. That that's not something you 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 think about all that much. You think about the the rockets and the hardware and all that stuff, but you don't think about like, you know, if the three of us were stuck in a tin can together, would would we be able to get along? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I would probably kill Brendan. I'm yes, not sure. Most likely, yeah. <laughs> it would it would probably end in a in a battle of some kind. Yeah, but that's the thing you got to think about is is you're you're stuck with these people and. And, and that's why those analogs are, are really interesting to kind of see, mm-hmm. you know, that information coming back and that data coming out of out of those. Um, I think the uh, the Hira just wrapped up not too long ago, right? Is that that mm-hmm. was the Hawaii was it the Hawaii mission? That's high seas. Uh, high seas, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to, to kind of see what what data we get out of that. And um, I'm interested in talking to some of the folks that were actually on the mission and. and you know, see what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. And actually they're just starting their, their uh, next one in two days, actually on the, mm-hmm. the 19th, the high seas five kicks off. It's eight month, eight month mission. Sorry. Yeah. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a long time, man. Yeah. And, you know, I, because I, I, I did get to speak with uh, the people from High Seas 4. That was the year long one. And that's sort of the impression I got. It was sort of a, you know, like they, they made friends, they, they got along, they, they got the job done. And, but there was definitely some stuff that they weren't talking about. And, and, uh, it's, it's just true. I guess any, anytime you get people stuck in a, in a room together, they're going to find fault with each other. Right. And it's, it's, uh, the conflict true. resolution part of it is, is a, is a big, a big component. Yeah. But on the space station, it's pretty cool because it's starting to be one of the only few places with international relations that are pretty solid. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so science always brings people together. So I, I do love that. Um, I think that's pretty cool. So. It's always yeah. been like that. You know, think yeah. back to Apollo Soyuz and, and yeah. And... So we have that. Yeah, I mean, ISS might have to play a, a pretty important role in the next few years. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, let's move to, uh, the next part of journey to Mars, which is the proving ground. So this is, you know, NASA describes this as getting into cislunar space and really kind of dipping their toes in the water. So the stuff they're doing to get us there would be game changing technology, um, you know, exploration systems development, which is Orion SLS. Um, what excites you most about the, the progress we made last year and, and what's coming up? I think we made quite a bit of progress, um, with, with SLS, especially here on, the space coast um so the uh sls is is three different parts you've got orion you've got the rocket and then you have the ground system um and uh the the mobile launch tower looks great every time i go out to the kennedy space center press site you can't miss the thing it's huge it's got this big blinking light on it to make sure planes don't hit it and um so to to see that kind of in development and, and this is the the same mobile launch platform they've used for um for the shuttle they've just kind of retrofitted it um and it's really neat to see it. it. You know, it's the it's the one piece that that looks finished, um, which is kind of cool. Um, Orion's doing great. Um, I had a chance to hang out with Orion earlier in 2016 um, as it was being kind of assembled before it went for some tests. Um, and the cool thing about Orion is it, it's being put together at Kennedy Space Center at the launch complex, um, which is which is really neat. And, it, and it's a first for a NASA uh, spacecraft. So it's kind of cool to, to be able to walk to NASA and walk up to Orion and kind of see it there and, 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 uh, see what's going on, but went through some critical tests this year and, uh, all seems to be good news. Um, the only issue with SLS and Orion and EM one is funding that that's the one thing that, uh, you know, we, we've been keeping an eye on is, um, you know, is the money there for it? Will they continue to provide the money for it? And, uh, there's been quite a bit of criticism for for the program, and um, you know that that puts the the whole mission and program in jeopardy. Yeah, and that's uh, you know that's something we should probably talk about too. Is is uh, you know what's uh, <laughs> what's the outlook look like for 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 NASA and with this administration change? So I mean we're doing we're doing a, a very daring thing here. We're recording before the inauguration, but we're going to release the episode after. So uh, we'll see <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. But you know we've got Charlie Bolden's last day coming up here, so. He was a big uh, a big proponent of, of that whole uh, ESD system, so it'd be interesting to see what goes on there. Um, I'm really glad you mentioned the ground systems because I think ground systems is sort of the unsung hero of the uh, the Orion program. Uh, the rocket and the capsule get a lot of attention, but there's some really awesome stuff happening with the ground systems. I mean, like you said, the mobile launcher. I'm thinking about the the launch pad itself, getting the whole new flame trench dug out, and the VAB is really getting overhauled. It's getting a complete makeover, so... Um, I'm really excited about that. Oddly enough, that's maybe that's the most space geeky thing about me is 
I like the the infrastructure more than the actual rocket. But <laughs> I I want to I want to say it was early 2016, but it might have been back in 2015. But they they invited the press out to the um to the mobile launcher, and they took us up to the top of it. And uh, I mean, just this the you realize just how big these this this rocket's going to be when when you're on top of it, and there's still you know ten flights more to go because they're like, yeah, it's not safe up there. You can't go that high. Uh, but to be you know. <laughs> Two thirds of the way up there, and you're like, "Oh wow, this this is big." Um, it, it was pretty neat. It was one of those moments that it's like, "Yeah, I'm really excited that I get to report on this every day and get to climb up to the top of this launch tower." But it, it was neat. One of the exciting things that I'm looking forward to this year is uh, they're going to do the full the full core stage uh, test firing. So that would be kind of four RS25 rocket engines kind of mm-hmm. blasted a hole into the earth in in uh, Mississippi. So um, that should be really fun this year. I really look forward to that. And, and thinking the last year we had the SRB test, which which was really neat to see those those solid rocket boosters, uh, you know, do a full firing. I think that was out west. Was that in Utah, Nevada, uh, Utah, Utah. Mm-hmm. out there at Orbital ATK's facility? But yeah, that was cool to see. I mean, SRBs are really cool, and and uh, to see a, a full duration fire of them, that was that's when I kind of realized, you know, hey, that this is really moving forward. We're, we're, we're firing those bad boys and, and things are, are, are going according to plan. Yeah, that's a, a feeling that I share for sure. So how about commercial crew? So, I mean, this is not specifically Mars related, but I, I do think it's important in the grand scheme of Mars because if NASA can divert its resources from from buying Soyuz seats to, you know, other exploration, that can really help us out. And plus, I mean, SpaceX's Dragon capsule is also going to go to Mars. So um, now it was kind of a tough year for commercial crew. They had, I think, both the uh, the players right now had delays. Um, do you feel like the schedule's more stable now, and what kind of milestones do we have in 2017? I'm still not 100 percent convinced that um, the schedules are going to be stable. There's there's all sorts of delays with with commercial enterprise just to begin with. Uh, I mean, there, I mean, there's commercial or, or there's delays with you know. Uh, you know, national launches too. So, um, SpaceX says unpiloted test flight end of 2017. Boeing says unpiloted test flight June 2018. I would say 50 50 that they'll be able to to meet that goal. And I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of people emailing me and yelling at me for talking bad <laughs> about SpaceX. But I, I mean, the the one critical thing they had to do was return to flight after um, the anomaly on the pad from earlier in the summer. Um, they were able to do that. Um, they got back. It looked like a flawless launch from Vandenberg. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. They're going to be launching again from um, uh, Cape Canaveral later in January. Um, so they did a really good job at figuring that out. Um, they were really transparent about it this time, um, which as a journalist, I was very excited about. They kind of took us every step of the way and were very public about it, which they need to be because Commercial Crew is a publicly funded program and, and they're using that same rocket. So... I think there that was a critical step was to return to flight and they were able to do it. Um so yeah, I mean 2017 yeah, I I'm I'm hoping um but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets pushed a, a few months after that. There are always delays in space exploration. Yes. It's about the long game, not the short game, which is very frustrating for journalists, but um that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean you you have to think that there's there's so many different factors that go into play. There's you know, there's weather, there's ground, you know, the the Florida Space Coast is really ramping up that, you know, the 45th Space Wing, which handles um, 
uh, the range down there, they've got they've got to fit all these flights in for for scheduling. You've got ULA, you've got SpaceX. Um, you know, there's tons of launches now, and right. to be able to fit all that stuff in and and have this really aggressive timeline, um, it's tough. But uh, you know, it, it might not be the hardware that causes the delay. It might be a scheduling issue that causes mm-hmm. the delay, or a weather issue that causes the delay. You know, we we had a, a pretty major hurricane over the summer. Well, yeah. it was past the summer, um, Hurricane Matthew that that kind of stopped a lot of stuff from happening at, at the Cape for for a bit as well. And and you know, forecasters think we might have a pretty aggressive hurricane season this year. So you got to think about that as well. There's there's all sorts of things that could lead to a delay. So I, th- I think that the end of 2017 is aggressive. I think SpaceX can make it, um, but uh, it, it's just a matter of the other factors coming in as well. It's funny you mentioned that, uh, Emily, that, you know, space exploration always has delays. And despite that, we never seem to learn. We always kind of hang on dates. So <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll we'll get a little better this year. But uh, talking about SpaceX, maybe we can move into that a little bit. So uh, obviously, SpaceX Mars, it was a pretty big year for them, uh, at least in the uh, the news coverage uh, uh, perspective, that's for sure. So, you know, big announcement at IEC in September, uh, which was uh, unlike anything I've ever seen for a space announcement. So, um, you know, how do you feel about the, the progress that they've made? And, and as far as Mars Tech and, and the announcements they made, what can we expect from that uh, this year? Do you want to take this, Emily? No, I was I was just going to say there was a, a whole lot of fanfare. Um, at, and, and Brendan can actually probably talk better about this because uh, he interviewed our friend Robin, who writes for the New York Observer and who was actually there. And he said it was kind of more like a concert venue than <laughs> a scientific announcement. So, But, but it is exciting um, because it's really the first big look at what SpaceX plans to do um, to get people and to Mars and colonize Mars. So that's exciting. But um, on that, you know, we have to be skeptical because we haven't seen too much of the actual technology other than some pretty, pretty cool uh, drawings. So there there are a lot of steps in the process before we can get to an interplanetary transport system. So <laughs> I will say when, when I w- watching that the announcement, I, I wasn't able to get out there. Um, you know, the way that it was hyped up, it was it was supposed to be this this JFK speech, this this moonshot speech, you know, we choose to go to the moon kind of thing. Uh, and that's what a lot of people were expecting. Watching it, it kind of felt to me like uh, Steve Jobs unveiling a new iPod or something yeah. like that. It was it was it, it was more of like a, a keynote CEO kind of saying this is our new tech. And I, I get I'm, I'm kind of very skeptical and, and, and critical of SpaceX. And I I, I probably going to get some backlash but that that's how i came out of that thinking okay yeah whatever but that's what elon does he he thinks about long term um you know he's he's a visionary and it works um but then i saw you know photos of them testing out you know the uh um the fuel tank they had Mm -hmm. this giant fuel Mm -hmm. tank that they took out on the barge and were and doing pressure testing i'm like okay so maybe this is real this isn't kind of a visionary speech anymore this is this is real tech, um, and uh, it's it's really happening. And this is what he wants to do now. It's I think it's a long ways off, but you know he mentioned that, and uh, he also said that it's going to take a lot of people to do this. This is not a SpaceX mission. This is not SpaceX on their own. They're you know going to need you know international help with with this. And uh, so it was nice to kind of see that as well. But um, yeah, seeing seeing the photos of that. Uh, huge fuel tank being 
you know, taken out of the port and brought out to sea for pressure testing. It's like, okay, he actually is building this thing. <laughs> he's he's really doing this. Yeah, yeah. That's what kind of excites me is that he's actually putting, you know, hammers to metal here. Well, I guess not metal, carbon fiber. I guess we have to change mm. our, our sayings <laughs> now. But <laughs> it's funny you. You, you, me- you mentioned the uh, the JFK speech, though, because one thing that I always laugh at is that if you ever expect a... a uh, uh, Elon Musk to orate in any way close to what JFK could, you are going to be very, very disappointed. But um, I'm I'm looking forward to Falcon Heavy. I think um, that's, you know, sort of maybe an un, unthought of part of this Mars journey that they're going to have to make, because if we can get that up, then we can get the Red Dragon going and they can kind of get some experience in interplanetary flight and landing and, and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, hopefully what's Falcon Heavy is the perpetual six months away, so hopefully we uh, we make some progress. And this is this is the year, knock on wood. This is the year, but uh, uh, yeah, we've actually we are seeing some progress with Falcon Heavy. Um, I know this is like this is super hyper hyper local and you know really inside baseball. But um, Cape Canaveral has a public hearing coming up in February. I think it is uh, for the economic or the environmental impact of the the three landing pads that are going to be mm-hmm. at Cape Canaveral and they released the plans to, to land it. So that's another kind of step in the right direction. Um, you know, they've just leased out some space at the port for possible, you know, renovating of, of boosters that come back at sea. So you're starting to see that groundwork being done. Um, and the renderings of the, of the landing facility are pretty cool. You, know, you see those three different pads there. And um, so we're, we're moving in the right direction there. So, that, that perpetual six months is it, it's closing in, so we actually might get a real hard date on on that this year. Well, from uh, from your mouth to the universe's ears, that's for sure. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about, and this sort of relates to to how we talked about SpaceX being, you know, this announcement being more like a rock concert. Um, I I am a big believer that um, you know the public will for sending people to Mars is going to play a huge role in getting us closer to it. So. Um, last year I talked about the Martian. The Martian was the big thing that everyone was getting involved with Mars. Uh, it was a, a huge boon for, for the Mars community, I think. Um, this year we kind of had, uh, you know, we didn't have the Martian, but we had a couple other things going on. I'm thinking about uh, National Geographic's Mars. Um, do, do you see that, that uh, the public desire has, has boosted? Like, is are we on, on a good trend here, higher or lower? What do you think? I'd, I'd say yes. We're on. A, people are getting more interested. I mean, yes, yesterday, last year was such a a big thanks to Hollywood. I mean, you know, they they do a really great job of getting people interested in space, and NASA does a really great job with uh, collaborating with them. You know, we just had hidden figures. I know that's not Mars related, but it gets you know, especially like women and people of color interested in pursuing careers in science. So that's exciting, and we need those people because right now we kind of have a talent shortage. We need engineers, we need physicists, we need people who who can get us to Mars and, you know, be alive when we get there. So, um yeah, I, I would say that there's still an upward trend in interest. Um but last year was definitely it was a big hit with the Martian that was super helpful. But there's some other films coming out and there's some other uh, you know, like documentaries and things that are coming out that I think will continue to push that as well as, you know, the missions that are that are still circulating planets right now and getting people interested. So, yeah. Well, Emily and I were just on a um, a panel of um, space journalists here in, in central Florida. And I think the, the one thing we all agreed on was, you know, yes, it is our job as journalists to get people 
interested in, and bring all of this stuff, make it accessible so that people know what's going on. Um, but we all came to agreement that once – and this this is for the US here – that once we start sending astronauts again, even just to the International Space Station from US soil, we're going to start to see a lot more of that support come back again. So partner that with with stuff like The Martian. Partner that with National Geographic series, uh, which is really cool with the, the docudrama that they did with the, the series is pretty neat. But uh, it just like launching again, you know, that – Emily can speak to this being a Floridian as well. Like, it didn't matter what the mission was, but you always watched a shuttle mission because it was just so cool. You had six or seven people going to space on this giant bird. You know, it was yeah. it was neat. It was cool. And, and you were – everyone got involved in it. And I think once that human aspect comes back, even just for a short little trip to the International Space Station, mm-hmm. I think that's really going to drum up a lot of support, which is why commercial crew is really important to this Mars uh, – this Mars – goal that we have yeah i I hope you're right because uh i mean i think along the same track once we we do start launching people from 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 north america again it's really going to kind of call attention to how how much of a shame it was to continue to launch people on a soyuz in the middle of a desert in the middle of nowhere where no one's watching but you know kind of friends and family so uh yeah bringing it back into public eye should be a really really exciting thing for sure okay so kind of closing up here Let's uh, let's ask the kind of um, you know the ultimate question. So, Brendan, we'll start with you. Was 2016 a good year for Mars? What do you think? I think every year is a good year for Mars. We're getting we're getting one step closer every year, and uh, 2016 especially. I, I I think that there was some really really cool things that happened this year, or I'm sorry, in, in 2016. Um, but I'm really excited about 2017 as well. I think there's going to be some really neat missions coming up. Um, some of the stuff that's a little under the radar, um, you know, looking really at in situ resource utilization. You know, we've got a private company heading to the moon this year um, that wants to try to mine the moon for water as fuel. Like that's that's happening. Um, you know, stuff like that is really neat. And I think we're going to make some really great progress this year. Um, yeah, I, I think 2016 was great, but 2017 is going to be better. OK, Emily, what about you? I would agree. I would agree. I think 2016 was it was a great year for Mars. It was a great year for us as humans um, doing some pretty cool things. Uh, 2017, I'd say, is going to feel more like a kind of transition year for exploring Mars. You know, we've got uh, the NASA InSight mission that's going to launch in 2018. So we're waiting for that and the testing on Mars 2020. So I think we're going to continue to see great data from Curiosity and learn from that and the mini orbiters, including the ESA uh, trace gas orbiter. So we're going to, I think it's it's going to be a great year. But um, it's one of those years that's going to lead to something better. Like every year, you know, we've talked about this is the long game. We're going to we're going to see more and more every year. So it's getting exciting. Awesome. Well, thank you both for, for sharing your time with me today. Uh, I think this was a really great discussion. Uh, and now, just like last year, I'm all amped up for the year. I'm really excited to, to start digging into some of this stuff. So uh, thanks again. And uh, maybe we'll make this a tradition. Maybe we do this every year. I'd love that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks for having us. Thanks. And that's all we have for today's show. I've put some links in the show notes that give you some more info on some of the things we talked about today. You'll also find links to Emily and Brendan's Twitter account and some of their other work. Be sure to check them out, and be sure to check out Brendan's own space podcast, Are We There Yet?, which has some great Mars goodness packed in. 
If you liked what you heard today, consider becoming a We Martians patron for as little as $1 a month at www.patreon.com slash We Martians. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash We Martians. Lastly, consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. It helps others find the show. Thanks to Dave Gallagher, Space Pat O, MWSBYU, Bovard T, and ABPNC for their kind reviews last month. Now, last episode, we gave up our closing theme to share some audio on the recently departed astronaut John Glenn, the first American to orbit the Earth. Regrettably, since that time, we've lost another hero, Eugene Cernan, commander of Apollo 17 and the last person to walk on the surface of the moon. So today, let's listen in to his final words on the surface. Godspeed, Gino. Bob, this is Gene, and I'm on the surface. And as I take man's last step from the surface, back home for some time to come, but we believe not too long into the future, I'd like to just let what I believe history will record that America's challenge of today has forged man's destiny of tomorrow. And as we leave the moon and Taurus Littrell, we leave as we came, and God willing, as we shall return with peace and hope for all mankind. Godspeed to crew of Apollo 17. All right, Gino. Thank you very much.